Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Absurdity. And today is a special day and a special episode. I'm going to call this the, uh, the reverb edition of Absurdity because both Tony and myself are not in our normal recording locations and we're both in rooms surrounded by brick walls and concrete floors and everything is wonderful. Uh, Tony, how are you doing, man? Uh, good. I'm finally on break, which is great. Um, but I'm back home, which having recorded what I think like three or four episodes now at home. Yeah. Like I, I decided to go to the dorm cause I figured having my voice bounce off of four brick walls was better than having my great grandmother, uh, clean again in the <laughs> kitchen. Um, yeah, so it's, it's fun. It's nice being back home. It's relaxing. I had a coming back from Michigan moment actually when I got here. So my family's doing, um, they're doing a garage sale today and they went out this morning and legit, like I'm wearing, you know, those, those, um, like terry cloth shorts that they had from McDonald's, uh, McDonald's from Walmart where you, it was like a, like you're wearing like a towel, but it's a pajama. So I had those on, I had like a white V-neck t-shirt on and my whole family, and I'm not even joking, are wearing gloves, like puffy jackets to go outside. And I go outside, it's like 58 degrees. I'm like, oh, this feels really nice. I'm barefoot and they're like freaking out. They're like, how are you even? And I'm like, it's not even cold. Like it legitimately was not cold to me because I'm used to 22 degrees. And my grandma goes, Oh, it's freezing. And I was like, you know, that's an actual degree, right? Like that's 32 <laughs> degrees. It's not freezing. It's 20 something degrees above that right now. It is very nice. They, they could not, but like they, I, if I had come out in a magician's robe, and caused lightning to spew out of the sky, they could not have been more surprised than they were in that moment. It was great. Wow. That is that is a story that I will never experience because I live in Tennessee <laughs> and I go down to Orlando for yeah. vacation. So, Tony, yet. thank you for sharing that yet. wonderful experience with your family. Um, <laughs> yet? Okay, we'll see. Listeners, you're probably wondering who that other voice is, that other lovely voice that... Uh, is joining us today. We are joined by someone who has been a really good friend to both Tony and myself 
someone who, whenever I am able to go visit and sit down and talk with, uh, I always leave the conversation feeling inspired and feeling like I'm encouraged to be better. And I feel loved whenever I talk with her. And this is Lauren Brooks. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Ryan and Tony for having me. She said my name. She said it. You heard it. You're all witnesses. So Lauren is kind of both of our heroes because of (laughs) the way that she communicates, the things that she does. Um, We were also technically her student workers um, at one point, even though we're all basically the same age. Um, But that's just the way college works. Yeah, I was a (laughs) boss. Yeah, Yeah. and you still are. In fact, you're more of a boss now than you were then. I was going to say, because yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a student again, so <laughs> I kind of just plateaued. But, uh, but and now you're there. in my domain. <laughs> so, Lauren, let's, uh, let's, before we jump into today's topic, Lauren, can you just give us a little bit about yourself and help our listeners to know who you are? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll start in how I met you guys. We kind of went to college together at Southern Adventist University, and um, we worked together in the admissions office there. And that's essentially where I started my career. Since then, I've moved to Kettering, Ohio, staying in higher ed. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid. So home is kind of wherever me and my family can all come together. Um, and yeah, music is a love language of mine. So that is a lot of what I do in my free time, going to concerts, listening to music. Um, I got my end of the year review from Spotify and was amazed at how many hours that I've listened to music, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, but I've been raised, in the church my entire life, um, pretty much since I was a teen, been in some sort of leadership um, position, and yeah, just trying to live an open and vulnerable life. That's one of the reasons why I created my blog, um, and just trying to have, yeah, conversations about real stuff. Now, Lauren, you don't know this, but um, when we actually went to Southern together as students, we lived in in the off- uh, uh, campus, but still student apartments in the part of a really tight knit community. You actually took me to my first concert. That wasn't like a Christian concert. I yeah, did? it was at a small coffee shop, um, and it was like a bluesgrass open mic concert. Or no, it was a bluesgrass band. And you, and and you were just like, oh hey, there's a bunch of us going. You should totally come. And that that was my first actual like I paid to go see this concert. Like ever, and it was it was a, a group called Horse the Band. I don't know if you remember that at all, but they were like really cool, oh, yes. very hipster band. Yes. Uh, so yeah, thank you for that. So most people don't know, like we we were part of a really close community. Um, that's actually I think how we became friends before we were together. But we just had like a ton of really good conversations. Yeah. So when Ryan brought up that we were going to interview you, I go, that is perfect, um, just because I know the the depth that you have, uh, not only in your character but also. Uh, your ability to to express yourself is just, it's really cool. It's a very unique dynamic. So I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. Honestly, Lauren, we just brought you on here to compliment Really, that's all it is. 60 minutes. So. Well, you know, words of affirmation are like, is my number one love language. So I'm... I'm feeling this. <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking um, for a Tony, replacement. I will say you... I'm out. I'm just trying to get out. So I'm trying to butter <laughs> so, you up. I'm going to be honest. 
Vulnerability. Tony, you almost wandered into uh, some creepy territory there with your... Lauren, you don't know this, but, you know, when we were in college together, we lived off campus. Like, I, <laughs> I used was, to stare in your window like, with the <laughs> high you bushes. No, high our bushes. apartments. No, they were, like, like right across. Yeah, face each other. Yeah, and you and um, Jordan would come over all the time and hang out, like, on our porch yeah. area. We would, just, we would just come and, like, straight hang that. out. That was honestly, and this is, this is what's so cool, because we've talked about a lot on the show about creating community. That was the tightest community I've ever been in. That's the first time in my life. I grew up in a city. I grew up in a big city. That's the first time in my life I knew all my neighbors and had a close relation with all my neighbors. Mm. And I am constantly trying to go back to that that point um, where I had that close-knit community because it's so hard being an Adventist. And we're going to talk about this a little bit, finding that level of community uh, because it's it's oftentimes very difficult to be able to connect with people on a deep level that are just around you in your area. And a lot of times you don't have that level of connection where you're at. So yeah, that, it was just so, mm-hmm. to me, that's something I'm always trying to show back. That's the high level watermark, um, you know, the highest level of community that I've ever known. And I'm always constantly trying to get my churches wherever I'm at to get to that level of just like, we could just hang out all the time, anytime. We wanted to be around each other. It was, yeah. So it was, it, it was kind of that level of, we would just show up at your, your porch. just like, hey. We're going to set up our yeah. hammock. So, <laughs> Love it. So I'm going to go ahead and establish some context, uh, and then we'll jump right into this topic. Um, this week, or, or not this week, last week, Lauren posted a blog on, or a post on her blog uh, entitled, I Don't Like Church. And I read it, and for months now, I've been wondering how I can get Lauren onto this podcast. But I also... Um, I'm lazy and procrastinate and hadn't intentionally give it, given it a lot of thought because I'm a terrible human being. And then I read this article and I went, bingo, we found it. So I texted her last week and I said, hey, is it okay if I do an episode and reference, at least reference your, your, this post? Or can we, um, do you want to just come on and talk with us about it? And she's like, I mean, you can, or I can just come on and talk with you about it. So... <laughs> Yeah. That's how we're doing this. Um, so today we're talking about church. I don't like church. So if that sounds like it's you, congratulations. This is the place for you. This is the episode for you to listen to. We have provided a link in the show notes to this blog post. It is not long at all. I mean, what, this is maybe 100 words, 150 words maybe? Like it's not, yeah, it doesn't seem a little, little more than that, than that, but it's, it's a, it feels easy. Yeah. It feels like a really it's good It's because I'm read. zoomed out. That's it why. It flows really well. Yeah. No, it, you're right. It's because I'm zoomed out. This is probably double that um so sorry lord i wasn't trying to like take a shot no. at your it's article basically like. a paragraph um, it's nothing it's really nothing yeah this, this is nothing she didn't actually it's not even this is just it's a, a long tweet it's not it's really a long a blog tweet post. or a medium facebook post it's really what we're looking at yeah um so let's so we're going to talk i don't like church what do you do if you don't like church if you don't dis if you don't connect with church um, and, but the first thing that we want to do, because we talk about the capital C church, we talk about churches, we talk about church service. So, um, as is tradition on absurdity, um, and Lauren, I'm going to give you the honors of having the first stab at this. Um, we're going to s- establish a solid operating definition for church that way for the next 45 minutes, 50 minutes of this podcast, everyone understands what we say when we say church, we won't have to clarify every time. So, Lauren, what is your, given the context of our conversation, what is what is your operating definition for church? 
Yeah. So for me, I feel like there are kind of two definitions that we usually work with. Um, so what I think most people talk about church is the building that you go to attend a service. Um, it doesn't really matter the denomination that you are, but that's, I think what most people when say, oh, I'm going to church, that is what they're talking about. But for me, I think that it goes a level deeper. Um, and it's more a church community. That's mostly what I've always been a part of. Um, because to me, it's more than just showing up to, to a church service on either a Saturday or a Sunday, or even it's on a, if it's on a Wednesday, um, for two hours or however long your church service is. And, um, so sometimes I can even contradict myself in talking about a church service, um, versus the church community that I want to be a part of and be invested in. Gotcha. So with your blog post and kind of with our conversation, are you thinking more when you say, I don't like church, do you mean church community or do you mean church service? And I don't, I don't want you to feel like you're about to like put all of your church community on blast here. I think we're talking about a more general sense at the moment. Um, so I just want to provide yeah, that clarification. I'd, I'd like you Go to ahead. put it on blast. No, you're good. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Name names. I think Tony, names. I hate you. Be specific. <laughs> No, I, for me, it goes back and forth between the two. Um, it honestly, the church service is what I really don't like. Um, but I think sometimes you can step outside of that and say, I, I don't feel like I fit as in part of this church community. And so I don't like it. And I think that that's what, um, a lot of young adults also resonate with. So I think that we can talk about both. Um, but if we want to focus on one, I would say church. I, I would say, and it kind of felt like reading your blog post, and I don't know if you've experienced this in your life before. I've often found that the church service is a microcosm of the greater church community. If you don't feel like you can connect to the church service, you probably aren't going to connect to that church community um, because if they have intentionality in the church service, they're going to have intentionality outside of it. Um, I don't know. Have you experienced right. that? Is that, or is that just me? No, I feel that 100%. Um, and I think for me, it kind of ebbs and flows. There are times where I feel very connected to the church service and even to the church community. And so it, it's it's good for me. But then there are times where it's like, wow, I I feel like I'm just another person sitting in this seat. Um, do I matter? Like, will mm. people notice if I'm mm. here or not? Um, and or like, you know, you sit and listen to a sermon like, wow, if people knew the baggage that that I was carrying around, like, would they invite me over for lunch or would I be welcome back next week? So can I can I push back on something that you and I will both kind of identify with here, which is because um, I, 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 I think as introverts, we hit a we hit a dichotomy somewhere, which is um, like you value deep, intentional conversation and you hate small talk. And I hate small talk. So 100%. So we sit and we wonder is anyone going to notice me? But at the same time, <laughs> we also kind of don't want people to just come up to us and say hi. So I I, I don't know if you've thought about this. I I don't really think I've even thought about this until now. Um and Tony, maybe you have something here too, but like can we put a name to can we put some sort of like practical descriptor to what does it look like to be noticed 
sitting in a church pew or sitting in a church chair, right? That's the new thing now is chairs. Um, sitting at the church table, whatever. Um, what, what, does, what is a practical descriptor of being noticed in a church setting? Good. I'm glad that none of us know. I would, I mean, I have a lot of things I could say on that. I'm the extrovert of the group though. So, um, I'd say intentional hospitality. So it's not just somebody coming up to say hi, but it's an intentional, Hey, how's it going? And I think the best way to do that is having connection outside of the church service. If somebody that I don't really, this is when I left my church, I had all these parents and all these church members come up in tears coming up. We're going to miss you so much. And I, I was like, wow, you know, I'm going to miss you. I, like it, I felt this. Um, I felt like I was disingenuous. disingenuous, I guess is the best word to say there. It, I felt disingenuous for me to say, I'm going to miss you too. Um, I did in a general sense, but it was like, I don't really know you because we've never really connected outside of this one thing that I don't really value all that much. Um, I didn't see them outside. They didn't come to youth events, that kind of a stuff, that kind of stuff. But a lot of them really felt the impact that I had. And so to me, it was the people that I had met intentionally outside that when they came up and said, we're going to miss you so much, I could say to them with, with, you know, very honest and transparency, I am legitimately going to miss you. And I have, I mean, that's, that's not been true. And, and to a degree, I do miss even those that I didn't really spend a lot of time with. But I think that's the level. If those people came up to me during the church service and said, hi, pastor, I would have been like, I'm kind of your pastor. That's the job that they gave me. But like you, mm. not that I haven't come to see out you, but we haven't had a chance to really operate outside of this church service. And I think from, for our age group, and, and again, you guys can comment on this. I think that's the, that, that to me is that intentional hospitality. I have taken time to get to know you. So now that I come and talk to you, it doesn't feel disingenuous. Mm -hmm. I think that being a part of a, a church community, you know, especially as an introvert, that there's going to be some level of small talk that you just have to go through, whether it's mm -hmm. meeting, you know, one of the greeters whenever you first come into church or whatnot. But if that is just the level of conversation that I'm always going to have, then that's where I think I start getting frustrated. Um, where, where if, if I'm plugged into a part of the community, so at my church, we have a very large young adult community. I know that I'm going to be able to have good conversations. So when someone asks me, Hey, how was your week? I'm not just like, Oh yeah, it was great. Did this at work, but I can be real with them and say, yeah, work sucked this week, but I'm so thankful that it's the weekend. Um, so I know that there is some level of small talk that I'm going to have to make. And sometimes I have weeks, weekends where I just don't have a tolerance for that. And that's kind of my own personal thing. Um, but I always try to have some sort of in-depth conversation with one person whenever yeah. I go to church. And like Tony was talking about that, that level of intentionality. So I can sit in a chair or a pew and hope that someone comes to talk to me, but I should also be looking around maybe for another introvert that's sitting there and saying, okay, how can I connect with this person? I've seen them here a couple weeks. What can I ask them not to be like, oh, hey, are you visiting? Because then that automatically labels them as something. 
but to be like, hey, I've seen you around, tell me your story or something that might engage them on a deeper level than just talking about the weather or how their week was at work. Gotcha. Love it. I, I honestly, I think this is the first time I've ever had that conversation with anyone like uh, about that specific topic of what does actual um, acknowledgement and recognition look like on that level without, you know, without going, well, all of our visitors, please stand up today. We'd love to oh. acknowledge you. Please don't ever do that. <laughs> no, like legit. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying it, now to, I'm going to cut do that it. out of the churches that I'm involved in. Cause that it, like, there's like six or seven different polls they've done for visitors of like why they don't come back to a church. And that's always like in the top five is like, yeah, don't, don't do that. Um, the other, th- yeah, the other thing ever. that I found, and I often think about this, how different would it be if our Sabbath schools, instead of being informational based, were, were based around that, about having deep conversations intentionally with people um, so that we could bring people in and have them connect on that level? Does that make sense? Like, I feel like well, a lot of times we leave because I, it's I, like, oh, well, this is the place where I go to learn more stuff instead of, oh, this is the group of people that like I specifically go to church to see. And this is, this is I think the bigger your church gets, um, I think the purpose of the worship service itself changes. And I think after you hit a certain point that you have enough Sabbath schools, which enough is a kind of a relative term, but Sabbath school really becomes your church. It becomes your community. And then the, the service becomes the spiritually unifying moment for the church. It's the thing that, that you know, puts everyone on the same page spiritually. It is an opportunity for you know, teaching from someone who is qualified to, to teach on the topic. But then Sabbath school becomes the people that you're doing life with. The problem is, I think, that we don't communicate that at all or no one's thought about that at all. <laughs> So Sabbath school is boring. It is not something, there isn't any community for you to be a part of. Um, and, and so you just get lost and you just go to the one spiritually unifying moment and you're not spiritually unified with anyone because there is no community to do life with that you have even found or experienced at all in that church setting. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's sad. I do think that we should be communicating, I guess, expectations or communicating structure a bit more in gen- to everyone on a regular basis. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Um, and, and this is how we do life together. I think that would be absolutely valuable. So I think, well, I think um, that then begs the question, do we think church in its current state is, I, I, don't, um, I don't know, do, do, is maybe church in its current expression a good thing or going well, or is that something that we maybe want to change or modify? Um, Lauren thoughts before I, before I tackle this one. (laughs) I mean, I think church is always a good thing. Um, but I, I don't think that it's going well. And I think there's a lot of research out there that shows that it's not. Um, and so I, I think that I, I would challenge church leadership, not just pastoral staff, but church leadership to think outside of the box and not be afraid to, to try new things. Um, I, I feel like, especially in our, our faith tradition, it seems like there, there's a lot of fear of, oh, well, we tried that 20 years ago, or there's so many generations that are in our churches that it's hard to reach everyone. And so we'll just kind of stay the middle of the road instead of going one way or the other. And, and I think that's where people are getting lost. 
because in our church, um, we started going down a direction to um, specifically reach young people. And I think that there was some, some fear of, okay, well, now this other church service, it's dying. That was the, the words that were being used a lot. And it wasn't necessarily the case, but it was just kind of the perception of it. Um, and so then based on research, um, we kind of started going another another direction to reach young families, which I think is ex- so important too. Um, so there's this fear of, well, the older generation, um, like our grandparents' age, they are also leaving the church, so to speak, and... So how do we keep them engaged? And it's a whole different way that you have to keep them engaged than keeping young adults engaged. Um, and and so I, I think the larger issue is that there are so many generations in the way that we connect with God. It's not just service elements, um, but that's a really easy way, Tony, like you had talked about, there there. When you can focus on service elements, then it seems to be a really easy fix. But whenever you peel back those layers, um, then then it becomes kind of opening a can of worms or Pandora's box. Um, and so I wish that there were more courageous people that would step up and say, hey, this is, this is what we're about. Uh, this is the vision that we're going to follow. And I hope you guys are on board. And if for some reason, people leave that church and go find another church, it's not the end of the world. Um, mm-hmm. But what I fear is, is that more young people are leaving the, not just Adventist faith, but I think kind of the Christian faith because of um, the lack of transparency or the authenticity or, you know, whatever buzzword that you want to use. Um, and, and they're finding church community elsewhere, which is not the worst thing. Um, but then we don't find them coming back to our church community. Um, and so then there's this really big gap and I, I think that church can be done. I've seen it done, um, in better ways there are very few Adventist churches that I've seen do it well. And that's what I'm really curious in the next five years to see if those like churches in, in the Adventist faith will kind of rise up to do that. Or if we're just going to keep, keep doing what we're doing and that'll kind of be it. Well, from the pastor's point of view too, there's, there's, Church community is really hard from the pastor's point of view. I experienced this in the few years that I was pastoring. I'm still pastoring now, and but um, from a different kind of perspective now that I'm a missional pastor instead of a you know full time paid pastor. But um, it is hard to have authentic community as a pastor who is regularly involved in leadership decisions because when you be when you're authentic, the risk is. I almost want to. The risk is the same for anyone in leadership. It's kind of the same even as a board member. But what happens mm-hmm. is you grow close to someone, you are authentic with them, you're vulnerable with them about something, and then six years later, when you guys finally disagree about something, they bring up that one thing from six years ago and use it to, use it to turn the church against you in order to um, 
in order to win their side of whatever you whatever your disagreement is. And so there is this there is this struggle with pastors and Tony and I being on that side come at this I think from that more of that perspective um of it is it is in and maybe maybe pastors just need to man up or woman up and accept that risk and do it anyways and model the authentic community that they want to see um but I and I don't really know what the solution is because I have seen pastors that have gotten really, really, really burned um, by that sort of thing, and it's it's harder because they're regularly involved in those leadership positions. So and leadership decisions. So the risk is um, exponentially more uh, likely to happen at any given moment, and I think that that's where the difficulty comes in. But. I would also be interested to see what happens with the church in the next five years, especially with how it handles community. Um, One of the things I think, um, one of the trends I think we've seen is that, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that faith is becoming less of a product that you receive by going to church, and it's become more of this nebulous idea or nebulous product that there is to be grasped, uh, and you don't have to go anywhere to grasp it. And I think there are pros and cons to that. and one is that it's more accessible, but it's also more individualized, meaning that you do have a wider variety of opinions. And, but I, I do think, and the church is struggling to keep up with that because the church has always been the source of faith. And now that building is no longer the source of faith. And Tony has just left, and I was about to turn it over to him. <laughs> he literally just got up and walked away. I love it. But <laughs> Laura, I don't know. Lauren, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that having... Like what you were talking about with being a pastor and leadership, I I fight against as a leader now, especially in my work environment, of bringing a sense of vulnerability to that and and authenticity, and and I think that that's important that I can be real with the people that I work with um, on a consistent basis, and I think that there will always be politics that are involved in work and church. It's just kind of this because of the way that things are structured, that, that that's how that is. Um, but I think that as more young adults are put in leadership positions, that that's what they're looking for. Um, and, and so I think that's a big disconnect. Um, that, that young people are finding, not just in church leadership, but in, in work as well. And so I can see how, you know, being in a, in a pastoral position where you have to kind of be on guard all the time about the level of vulnerability, the level of authenticity um, that, that you are able to express. And I I have such an issue with that because if we look at Christ's example, he was the perfect example of what it meant to be authentic and, and to live kind of in that risk of I'm going against culturally how people are living and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the law of how, um, you know, th- this is how things have been done forever and I'm going to come and kind of blow that all up and say that this is actually how I think it, it can be done. Um, and so that, that's what I always have to go back in, in remembering that church leadership um, is always made up of people. And so to have grace for that, 
Um, but always to be looking, um, one of the pastors in Chattanooga, uh, Claire Litchfield would always mention, like, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. And I always have to remember that because if I start looking anywhere else, then that's where I can be incredibly disappointed and, um, just have, have a different perspective. And I think that's where the devil makes it so easy to get sidetracked. Um, and it's really easy to find that in, in people who are, um, if you are looking to people who are in, in higher positions, um, in that. So keeping your eyes on Jesus, I think is the, the best way. It kind of feels like a cop out answer. Um, but he truly was the best example of what it meant to lead and, and to kind of do things outside of the box. Well, I, it doesn't feel oversimplified or a comp, a cop out answer. I think we've overcomplicated what discipleship is. Um, Mm. you know, it, it is very, like we talk about reading your Bible every day and praying and, um, and worshiping together with other people. And I, and, and so people say, how do I connect with God? And I say those steps and they go, well, those don't work for me. And I said, okay, well then when was like, do they, because when was the last time you tried? Um, when was the last time you actually did study your Bible intently? more than just reading it and closing it, but reading it prayerfully, asking questions, maybe getting a study guide, something to help you there. Well, how long do you pray? Do you pray for 20 seconds? Because you're right, I wouldn't feel closer to someone if I only <laughs> talked to them for 20 seconds every day. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a... Um, I think we have oversimplified it, and I do think keeping your eyes on Jesus. And how do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Prayer and Bible study. Like I, I, it, and it seems like that's too simple of an answer, but I don't think we've ever really given that the attention that it deserves in the first place. Um, so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I love Litchfield, so I agree with him there as well. Um, but uh, Tony, what are your thoughts regarding authenticity in, in church community? And, and yeah, I, th- I think it what do you first got? comes from a level of trust, and I think a big problem first the expectation, you know. Um, a lot of our church community comes out of um, either being born in the church or that like, you know, another congregation like the Catholic church, very, very few of our community uh, experience Christianity for the first time through Adventism. So they always already have a different Christian culture that they're coming from. And most other Christian cultures don't value uh, authenticity. They value perfection. So, um, I think that's the first part is, is having that level of trust. And I think it takes time to build that level of trust from a leadership standpoint. I can understand the the, you know, it's, it's hard to follow somebody that is, it, it, you have to have a balance between authenticity and acknowledgement of flaws and airing out your dirty laundry, because I think that there has to be a balance of that. You have to acknowledge that you're human, but you can't acknowledge it to the point where people begin to, to, um, that's all they see. And so it's a very delicate balance to have. I think again, though, I think you guys kind of hit it on the nail where it's like, we can't expect, we have to change our expectations of what the role of the pastor is and what the role of church leadership is, um, you know, Paul would be like, I'm the chief of sinners, but he would never describe what that sin is, you know? And I think that's the difference. I think that's kind of the balance we have to take is to be like, look, hey, there's this thing that I struggled with three times. And I said, God, you got to take this away from me. 
And we still to this day don't know what that is. We think it's his temper. We think it might be uh, his blindness. We don't know because he, he struck that balance of I have flaws. And let me tell you, I've struggled with them. But he didn't go into, and then the other day I saw this and I was just, you know, whacking the meat because I, he didn't he didn't go into that level. And I've seen both sides of that where there's no authenticity, no vulnerability, and it harms the church. And too much authenticity and too much, not too much authenticity, where there's too much lurid description of it. And, and people are like, well, that's the only picture of you I can get in my head now. I'm not thinking of Jesus. I'm thinking of you alone in a corner. Um, and so you want to be able to, to reset balance. But I, I think for me, to me, ultimately, I want to get to the point where, um, you know, a, a, a very wise church leader once said this to me, he said, or to the church in general, but also to me, I long for the day where there are no silent prayer requests, um, where we feel so trusting of each other that we can just open up and bear our souls and, and to the point where we can be completely honest with each other. That does not, and, and obviously that has to first come, that level of trust and vulnerability has to come from the pastor um, to a degree, but I think it, it also has to come from the church community as a culture. And, and so I think you as a pastor cast that vision, you open up to a degree, and then you allow them to open up. And as you begin to do that, I think the other big thing is you can do that as a pastor to your leadership team. Um, I think you have to be very careful because there are some people who will use that. But I think, you know, Jesus didn't talk about his struggles to the crowds. Jesus told that to the 12 and really the three um, is really, you know, he had his most intimate moments with just three. And then those three kind of shared that down the line. Um and so I think that's kind of a model we have to look at is, is our job as church leaders is to, is to mentor and to share, but to create community, to not just do, but also to teach. And if we teach that and if we create, you know, these authentic type of communities, I think that'll help a lot as far as vulnerability, because there is, there is a balance. I, 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 it hurts. You, I've seen church leadership fail because they did not because they because they they shared too many details, um, and and it just hurts. And ultimately, that's so that's the balance I think you have to have. Okay, so we have a problem here though because we've said church. We've come from this standpoint and of I don't like church. But then we've also just said church is a good thing. So we haven't really articulated um, we haven't really articulated what the problem is, other than inauthenticity. That that is one problem. But I don't think that that problem is is really new to anyone or might be it might be so broad that we we haven't really nailed it down practically. But like why don't we like church? Other than uh, outside of inauthenticity. Why don't we like church if church in its, in its current expression we think is a good thing? What about it? Don't what what about this is is the problem? And I and this is a hard conversation. I think that's why I think we we sit here um, in a little bit of silence is because the the other thing that I know of the three of us is deep down we really want to like church. <laughs> like I want to like church a lot, and for a number of years I didn't. I'm just now getting to the point that I'm really starting to like it again and really look forward to it. Um, yeah, I. 
my thing. I think I've I think I'm learning why I don't like church in its current current expression. And it's and this is actually why I love church planning more than just going to a church that's established. Um one major factor of people growing in their relationships together and growing in their friendships together is overcoming adversity. Mm. Most of our churches don't actually overcome anything together or face anything together. That's why the biggest thing that, that like, if you're wanting to bring your church together, doing a fundraising project to build a new building is almost one of the best ways to do it because it rallies them around a cause, an obstacle, a common obstacle that is objective to what they believe maybe uh, or closer to objective. And they actually unite to doing something. Church planning is different because church planning, you're uniting around the energy to start this thing. You're working through every detail to make it happen. You're growing together as you do, and you come out the other end of it with this solid church and your your close friends again, and you have that community. So I think one of the things is our churches are are comfortable. Like I think that that's a problem is that our churches are comfortable for everyone. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of easy um, to see that, and and I think that that's why for me that I was asking, you know, the question, which it's funny because a lot of people have messaged me or pulled me aside, like at work or at lunch or whatever, just to say like, Hey, I read your blog and I don't have an answer for you. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's, I, it feels like it's a rhetorical question. Um, and so for me, I, right now i'm i'm really not liking the church service and part of that is a personal thing because it it was supposed to be meant for my age group and my demographic and then that switched and i've kind of taken that personally and that's my thing that i know that i have to work through um so if i'm coming into the church service to sit there in in the pew and I have a chip on my shoulder about it, then I know that I have an attitude problem and I can either continue working through that or let that chip sit there on my shoulder. And I know that that affects people in the small conversations that I can have before, during, or after church. If I'm on my phone because I'm not engaged with the service, um, there's a certain perception about that and wanting to be an example to the younger generations to be engaged in church is something that weighs heavy on my heart. Um, so I, I'm not sure that I can agree in saying that the current expression of church is good, but I know that church is good. Um, and it's good for some people, which is why they're there. Um, but for me right now, I'm trying to figure out, do I show up to church, even if it's not for me and, and still participate and then find something else, whether it's going to a non-denominational church service or, um, if it's doing my own thing with more devotions, um, watching different churches online, like, is there ever going to be a point? Cause I've asked myself this question a lot. Is there ever going to be a point where I can attend church and be like, that service was for me? Um, because since I've left college, it's felt like there's some sort of, well, I'll just have to 
kind of let that go because I know that that's, that's not for me, but it's, it, it's for someone. And so I don't know if that's just like a really selfish thing that I'm needing to work through, or if, if it's a, a, a true question that, it, that I can hopefully get answered in, no, you're not being selfish, but at some point, like, um, at some point it'll get answered, whether it's me moving on and finding a church service that, that does suit my needs or realizing like, well, this other thing is more important than the, the preferences that I would rather experience in a church service. Mm. Well, thank you for, thank you for sharing that, uh, especially that much. Um, I very much appreciate that perspective. And I, I, I think, my first reaction to that is I think it is, a, it is a mix of, and I think all of us bring this to the table, so I'm not like putting you on blast for it, but I do think we all bring a little bit of selfishness to the table. We all want something we like and to receive something when we go to church, absolutely, um, when we participate in the service. So I, um, I, I, I do think there is, there is that put in there, but I also think, yeah, if, if you're going to church and it seems purposeless for you, then you have every right to question and every right to wonder, you know, is there a better way to do this and go on that journey to find it? Um, There is no, that I can find, there is no biblical command or um, framework for what church service has to be. And I really wish we would branch out more and explore what that looks like. Um, I think a group of young people, or no, not young people, I'm not even going to do that. A group of people gathering together in someone's home on Saturday morning or any morning is church. Um, I think the reason we do church on Saturday is just because that's the day everyone doesn't work. So it's the day everyone has time free to go to church in the morning or, or to go to church, period. And so I, you know, and, and even the 11 o'clock service, 1030, 8, 8 a.m. service, all of that is all culturally driven, and it's not at all biblically mandated that you have to go to church at X time during the day. Like, there is so much about our structure of, of our services that is up in the air and up for up for debate and up for transformation and change, but I don't think we approach it with enough imagination to have fun with it and to make it organic and do something that works for the communities that we're in. Tony, you've been sitting there silent for a while, which is very unlike you. Um, I, ju- I just want to give Lauren as much airtime as possible. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you guys, I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you guys for the most part. I think you can disagree. I could, uh, theoretically, if I did disagree <laughs> with you. I mean, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've tried to to change it up. I, I agree. I think Sabbath is the day. It just makes the most sense to do it, but there's no reason. And I think we also need to, to register that there, there is nothing more special about 9 o'clock um, on a Sabbath morning to do church. I think the, the blessing of the Sabbath is very different um, than the church service. I think it can add to that because it's meant to be a restful day. But to be honest... Um, I didn't enjoy my Sabbaths when I was a pastor. My Sabbaths were not restful days. I did not get the blessing from the Sabbath that most people get. And so I think that it's important. So I, I would ask that question, and I would even go further and be like, you know, 
Lauren, you, you had a great question in your blog, and I loved it, and it resonated so well with me. You know, is it better to sit in church and be disengaged um, or to not even be there at all? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I know. Um, in fact, I, sh- I should actually read the actual question itself, but it, it, was ju- it just resonated with me because there were so many times when, as a pastor, I would come in and just because of the stress of the situation or whatever, um, I, I would be disengaged. Um, and, and, and I had a very traditional type of church and while I loved my, my church community, um, for the most part, uh, the way that they did church didn't, didn't speak to me. It was very boring. Um, it was not genuine for a lot. And so it, I did not get a blessing from it, uh, as far as, you know, from the actual service itself. Um, I got a blessing from watching other people provide and, and you know, praising God, but it, it, the service itself didn't really touch me. It didn't mo- move me mo- uh, emotionally. It didn't stir me intellectually. And so, yeah, even as a pastor, that can still happen. And I think that's a great, I think it's still important to go, but I think it's also important that when you do attend, that if this is happening consistently, then you need to, it, it, it begs credulity to say that this is the only way you. you can do it. It's absurd. Um, you keep you keep trying to sneak that phrase in every don't episode. I don't keep trying. I do sneak it in. Um, <laughs> I can edit you out. You can you try. Worry. I'll say it 13 more times. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's a value in going to church, but I think it also, if consistently you're not getting a blessing out of it, I would rather, it, you know, to me, I kind of go, with Jesus, I would rather get into heaven not going to an Adventist service for the rest of my life, still believing in being a part of the church and, and, and being an active part of the community, but I would rather go to heaven than I'd rather go to heaven not connecting with a church service and not attending um, and going to a place that does bring me closer to God and connect with him. Uh, than be an Adventist for my entire life, never having experienced a connection to God, um, and and possibly you know show up and he goes, I never knew you, um, you know, cut out your right hand, pluck out your right eye, you know, go to a Sunday service if you have to, whatever it is um, that causes you to not connect with God, you know, pluck that out of your life. Um, and so for me, I think, yeah, it's important to, I think it's important to go. I think there's still a blessing that comes from showing up. But if you're not, if it's not, if it's not working, I think, yeah. And if you're in a place that's not allowing you to take ownership of that, I think that's the other part of it is I know for my church, I, I was faced with a lot of pushback when I said, hey, let's change things up. Um, they were very open to some things. I'm not going to, you know, throw them completely under the bus. They were very open to some things, but for a lot of other stuff, they just were not, they were closed down to it. And I said, well, you know, I can only imagine what it'd be like as a young adult. And I did talk to them and they were very frustrated about that fact. And so I gave them opportunities to take ownership during the week. But as far as actual church service, it took a long time for them to finally be able to do that. And so if you're not able to in the area you're at, find a place where you can create that community um, where you can, because it's, I, I would rather you go into heaven having created that community for yourself than stay in a place and keep banging your head against the wall. Personally, that's my personal mm-hmm. feeling. Okay. Yeah. So, and oh, go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're fine. Go right. I was going to say, I, I, I think that it, 
just shows even if you are disengaged in your church service, that hopefully there's something else that you are engaging in in your church community. Um, Because the few conversations that I've had, not with young adults, but with Gen Xers and baby boomers, what has worked for them is that they have community. So, So the church service style may not be their jam, but they're still getting intentional community through small groups um, that happen throughout the week. And I think that that is something that the, the church, larger church, um, should be discussing more and emphasizing more um, is I, I know that I can't do life with my entire church. There's way too many people for that to happen um, in a, in a good way, I think. And so, mm-hmm. you know, to, to find people that you do want to do life with um, that are willing to keep you accountable um, that, you know, again, Christ had an example of discipleship with a small group. Those were the people that, that he traveled with everywhere and they were, they followed him for those three years. And um, then they were able to go out and, and, you know, change the world. And, and so for me, I find myself being disengaged in my church service, um, but trying to find other ways that I can be engaged in. So I'm not walking away from my faith. I'm not disconnecting from the church community. Um, but there are times that it does feel very lonely Um, in the church community if you're not engaged, if you're not connected into anything. So again, I can't expect um, my church service to be the only thing that connects me to my church community. And if it, if that is the only thing, then, then there are other ways. I think that a person, whether they're a young adult or you know, a Gen Xer or a baby boomer to find those other ways to find a community. And it may not be in that small church community because it depends on where you live, the opportunities that you have, but finding people who are going to, to do life with you is just so important. I I, I was very curious about this because you kind of have, have seems like your church is kind of doing something. Talk to me about Ascent, this worship service. Uh, how did that get started? And is and you mentioned that this might not necessarily be the only way to connect in, uh, but it seems like your church is doing something or a group of people are doing something to try to create that environment uh, that you've been missing. So talk, talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, we've kind of been all over the map, it feels, for young adults because um, this is a an area where a lot of people after – college will move to. It's a good place to kind of start your career, um, even to settle down and start a family. Um, it's not as big of a of an Adventist Mecca like Loma Linda or Southern or Andrews, but it's still kind of a part of that where you can work in, in a work environment where people, for the most part, are going to share your values and that kind of thing. So Finding programming for young adults is incredibly difficult um, because we don't like to commit to everything (laughs) all the time and consistently. Um, 
So for a while, um, I think it kind of started with the college students doing a night of worship um, once a semester. And as the young adult population started to grow and more musicians moved to town, we kind of moved into doing it four times a year. And seeing how people connected to that, being it on a Friday night, um, we just decided as one of the things that we would do moving into a more uh, engaging community is to do it once a month. And so there's a few of us that are on this leadership team that are kind of working to set the vision for what it will look like, the pieces. So there's the production aspect of it, but also what type of community do we want this to be um, where it's not just for Adventists? So um, Kettering College is really unique because it is an Adventist institution, but only 10% of its students are Adventists. And so there's a really great opportunity here to connect with those that don't identify as Adventists, but do identify as Christian um, to kind of still commune with them in something in a familiar way um, and and a great way for outreach. So um, one of the things that we kind of talked about in in the the programming aspect is that we want this to be a space where people feel safe, that all walks of faith can come in. And so we try to be very intentional about the language that we use, that it's not inclusive to Adventists. Um, so maybe you're explaining who Ellen G. White is. And so someone who isn't familiar with her understands that she's an important part of our denomination. Um, but you have to explain that. Um, and even for people who have been raised in the Adventist church, there may be some resentment or some feelings towards her. Um, and so the way that, that, you know, we've set things up is so that this is a Friday night event. It happens once a month and it's a place to come and worship. It's a place to come and be filled. Um, I've led worship for a long time, pretty much since I was in junior high. And um, I've helped a couple times here at my church and I have never been more nervous in my entire life. Like I will be on stage and I'll be with people that I'm super familiar with and my hands are just shaking the entire time. And, and I didn't really understand why it was that way until then I led for Ascent one time. And it was so comfortable for me because I didn't feel like I was up on this stage and that there, there were all these other pressures of, you know, what, what church is and how we lead, knowing all of the things that our, our church has kind of gone through and me being a young adult and being up here, like what that means. Um, and, and so for us, Ascent, we're, we're kind of focusing this next year on um, focusing on Jesus and what it means to live in the way of Jesus. Um, so all of the things that we talk about, um, the, the small talks that Patty McCoy, he is our young adult pastor, he focuses on is, is a, you know, 10 minute talk and then a recalibration time so that we get to, in small groups, discuss questions about these topics and the songs that we pick are intentional to tie into this. So you can walk away feeling 
if you're a feeler, that you were able to connect emotionally to something. And if you're a thinker, that intellectually you're able to connect to something. And trying to be intentional about that, knowing that there are many different ways that people connect to music, to special music, to scripture. So instead of just having a scripture reading, we've paired, let's read scripture, and then someone come up and have a testimony time and talk about, here's what I got from this verse or these couple of verses and a practical application. So it's not just our young adult pastor that's getting up and, and preaching this entire time, but it's a way for young adults to start conversations um, and start being engaged in a different way than maybe what we've seen in the church service. So it, it feels like something that we've experienced as, as young people in college and then trying to translate that into what it looks like now that you're a young working professional in, in a church. Hmm. That um, was a long version of it. No, that's fine. I asked for the long I, version. I think, <laughs> yeah, he literally did. Um, but also I think that gives some people some solid like inspiration or something practical that they might be able to take some application from. I think um, we're going to go a little bit over, but I run this podcast and time is a social construct. So it's all, it's um, all flat circle. It. So, uh, um, <laughs> I, th- I think when we talk about engaging or disengaging with the church service, especially this question, this fundamental question that, that Lauren, your blog asks, is it better to be disengaged while sitting in church or to not attend at all? I think the dangerous question that, that we're asking beneath that is, is church optional? Mm. Because if it's optional, then it doesn't matter if I attend. But if it's not optional, then it is better for me to be disengaged while sitting there because at least I'm there. And I think there are some, sad, I think there are some times where it's better that you're there even if you're not paying attention at all. Um, mm-hmm. I just talked with, a, I, I talked with a kid, not a kid, I talked with a young adult who uh, just recently came to a church service and a few hours prior, he had just been broken up with. And I was like, dude, I can't believe you're here. And he goes, I, I was better to be here than home. Mm. And so I think there, I think it's a subjective thing and each person has to identify whether or not um, it is better to be disengaged and just being present than not. But I think the other thing that we're seeing is millennials started this kind of walkout, but people are voting with their feet and saying, no, uh, church is not required uh, in this current expression. I don't have to show up to your building to enable, uh, to live out my faith or to experience faith in a corporate worship. And I think um, the church is scared because we've said, we, we think if you're not in my church building, you're not saved. Literally anyone mm. that does not attend my church is now a target for me to bring to my church, right? It doesn't matter what church they're going to currently. It doesn't matter what their relationship with Jesus is. If they're not in my church, then they're not in yet. Um, and we have that across the board. And I think, well, yeah, what millennials have started that conversation is saying, Guess what? Me sitting at Starbucks or Panera with my friends talking about Jesus in our lives, uh, that is the most spiritually edifying thing I've ever experienced in my life, and I'm going to go ahead and stick with that, thanks. Um, And yeah, we do it with a little bit of sass and a little bit of anger, frustration, bitterness, cynicism, whatever, because we've experienced the fake stuff for so long, we're sick of it. Um, and And I do think that faith is now becoming this thing, and I've said it before, I'll keep saying it, I think faith is becoming... Uh, something that you now really need to own and no one else can tell you how to own it. Um, and, and I think 
So is it better to be disengaged while sitting in a church or not to attend at all? That depends completely on whether you think church is optional for you. I don't think community is optional. I think community is absolutely necessary. And I think in community that specifically interacts with your faith. So not just friends you go play top golf with or friends you go bowling with, but friends who you actually talk about your faith with and do life together with um, more than just the social stuff. And, and so I think community is absolutely necessary. So yeah, I think it, there are times where it's better to be with your community and disengaged than to not be with your community at all. But I think if you're just showing up to a building and a service that you don't connect with at all, that you cannot give to as well as you can't receive from, then yeah, I do think it's better to be dis- to to not attend at all. To be 100 percent honest, and that's coming from someone who for for many for a few years, um, my entire livelihood depended on people showing up to church, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and still very much does. Like that's a big part. Of it. I do believe that that the church service and the church building can be a place that people can find that real community. I think it's the easiest place to find it because it's the place you can walk in and go, oh, look at all these like-minded individuals, hopefully. Um, but it's, it is, I, I, I do strongly believe that, but I also think if, there, if it is better to be disengaged from a church building and church service and be connected with your church community than it is to sit there and be disengaged completely um, and not, not really engage with the service. But um, I guess we can kind of, I'm not closing this out on my own thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts on what I just said. Um, so yeah, final words from you two on this, on this question. And I'm totally fine if it stays open-ended. Laura and I talk too much. Go for it. (laughs) Um, I agree in the necessity for community. Um, and, and that church is a really easy place to find that. Um, but I, I would say that and, and caution people asking themselves this question is to know, are, are you, like, are you asking yourself this question to get out of going to church? Mm. Um, because get them, Lauren, get them. For me, I know that there have been times where I don't want to go to church and I drag myself there and it's whatever thing that happens, I, I am incredibly blessed, whether it was a random conversation that I had with someone or a song that was sung that week or something that was said in the message. And I knew that I needed to be there and, and it was meaningful and it was necessary for me to be there, even though I didn't want to be. Mm. Um, and so I, I think it's also understanding how you function as a person. Um, because lately with my new job and being promoted, it's, it's like all of the things that are now required of me, the interactions that I have are on another level than it was before. And so for me, Sabbath can actually be exhausting, like I'm sure that it was for both of you as pastors, where I don't actually get Sabbath because it's just more conversations that I have to have or that I have the opportunity to have. And, and it's just completely draining. So then by the time Sunday comes along, I, I don't want to do anything. I'm laying on my couch and I'm going through the list of things that I need to do in order to get ready for my upcoming week. And, and so I know that I'm solid in my faith 
And I have people that, you know, will text me, hey, didn't see you at church. We're still grabbing lunch afterwards. Do you want to join us? So I still have some sort of community in, in that aspect. Um, and being real with the people that are in my life. Because um, I've been asking this question for about six months now. Um, and, and I'm not the only one in this community that's been asking, asking the question. Um, so there's been a lot of dialogue with, with people that are around me um, kind of around this topic. Um, but I, I don't want this to be a a simple answer or a simple question with a simple answer. Um, because then I, I don't want to, I don't want there to be this huge walkout of like, well, you know, young adults, there's nothing for me in the service. And so I'm leaving because there still is an important part of showing up and being present. Um, but if that is causing mental or emotional harm, then I think that you have to rethink that. So that's where that subjectivity comes um, in knowing what your intentions are to showing up to church or not showing up to church. Because if it's just because you don't like it, um, then maybe you like need to check your heart <laughs> a little bit on that. Um, so I... I also think it depends on the season of life that you're in. Um, and, and so this season of my life that I'm in, I'm really having to ask myself that every single week. Do I need to go to church? Should I go to church? Do I need to be there? And and not that church is for me only, but what can I give while I'm there? Um, if my If my love tank or my emotional tank is at an all-time low, then maybe I do need to show up and ask someone to pour into me. Um, Or sometimes I need to protect that and stay home and do something that I know will re-energize me. So then the next week that I'll commit to doing that and showing up. Um, So it, it is a complicated question and I think it's a complicated answer um, where community is important and Christ I keep going back to his example, but he gave us that example over and over and over again. Um, but you need to find something that's going to fill you. And so if that's then spending more time in the Bible, then you need to do that and you need to commit to that. Um, and if you can't do that on your own, then you need to find someone that will engage with you on that, whether it's a pastor or a friend or someone who will keep you accountable. Um, so it, yeah, it's 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 hard to answer this question, which is why I asked it in the first place, pretty much knowing that no one is going to be like, yes, this is the way that, that it should go. Um, but just understanding um, people's experiences to learn from it or even just to connect with them in where they are. Because I think that we're all on this journey together and trying to figure out life, adult life, really. Um and, and so even, you know, the three of us, we're all doing this virtually. Um, and, and it's a, a bit of community as we're discussing this kind of issue that, that is, um, I think, happening in our, in our larger church community. So there's multiple ways to do that. But having that interaction, face-to-face interaction is so important. And I find myself, like I had mentioned in my blog um, two or three weeks ago, like 
I had a really bad day and I purposely isolated myself, which then made me more mad because I knew that I needed to be around people, but I also didn't want to have to deal with life. And, and that was, I was in a place where I could acknowledge that and saying like, this is a bad day. And part of it is like, I'm creating this, this bad day. (laughs) And I could probably go out and I could be part of community. I could go do these things and my mood would probably change, but I just kind of want to sit in this right now and, and be miserable. And that's my choice. But then knowing, okay, I can't continue making this choice because then I'm going to go down a road that I don't need to go down. Um, and, and so having people who can kind of bring you out of that or, or knowing that you can reach out to those people to say, hey, this, I'm struggling with this. Um, you need those people in your life. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I agree with quite literally everything you just said. Um, absolutely. Um, and I think you brought a little bit of balance and not a little bit. I think you brought a lot of balance to how I introed that segue. So, uh, Tony, final thoughts from you before we kind of close out. Here? I disagree with everything that Lauren said, <laughs> just everything right, from the, well, from, the from the beginning, from the beginning, everything uh, she has said, from the very beginning. every single Tony's table. actually an atheist. Go figure. Um, oh. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's really good to me. I, this is the question that I ask about everything in my life. And um, I do this periodically, uh, maybe once a month, you know, once every other month. Is this, is this helping me grow towards Jesus? Um, or mm. is this causing me to go away from him? And I think when it comes to our question of whether or not we should go to church, um, to me, I think everyone needs to ask that question. And, and it is going to be subjective. And so I think it flows along with what everyone has said so far. Um, especially, you know, with what Lauren was, was just saying for some people it's not, and there are some weeks where it's not, and there are some times where it's not. And like I said, you know, if you're showing up to church consistently and it's causing you to be more frustrated, um, than blessed, it's not causing you to grow. And that's, that's toxic. That becomes toxic. Um, so ask yourself that question. Is this particular branch of the church causing me to grow do i need to build my own branch that's going to assist me in growing what can i do on my own during the week um that's going to help me grow is that creating a community like ascent is it just doing my own personal devotions is it perhaps taking time because i feel burned out you know i think that's the other thing is i think some people don't like church because they're too involved and they and they've wear too many hats mm. and now they're burned out and now they're thinking I don't enjoy church anymore. Uh maybe take a step back, you know? Uh take some of those hats off. Um is this causing you to grow? Is this is this assisting you to grow? Some of it causes growth, some of it just assists growth. But is this is this a hindrance on the path towards Jesus, an obstacle, something that's blocking me, or is this clearing the way. Um, and I think when you answer that question, yes or no, and you have to answer yes or no, you know, ultimately you have to just say yes or no, fall on the side. It can't be like, maybe just be like, if I don't know, then yes. Or if I don't know, then no, pick, pick one and just say, yes, this is helping me. And for this reason, um, and answer that question, then, okay, I'm going to live with this until I ask this question again. 
and and then that'll give you more evidence in your life. Is this helping me? Is this helping me grow? And when you do that, I think to me that's the ultimate answer is 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 this helping me to grow? If I don't like church, there are other things that I don't like in my life, but that help me grow as a person. I don't like broccoli. Uh, I don't like jogging. I don't like working out. Um, there's lots of things I don't like, but that it's good for me. I had, you know, they made green juice. I was with some, some friends last night, um, you know, uh, after church and they were just, they were making green juice and it was kale and, and chard and, you know, celery and cucumber and all this nastiness, but it's good for me. And I didn't like it, but I drank it because it was good for me. Um, I might not like church, but if it's still good for me, if it's still assisting me to grow, I should have the self-discipline to do that. But if I don't like church and it is, if I don't like church, or even if I do like church, but it's not causing me to grow, if it's just become a place where I go for tradition, or if it's a place where I just feel comfortable, but it's not pushing me towards closer towards Jesus or or getting things out of the way that, that bring me to, closer towards Jesus. That's something that I think we have to answer. Um, and it might be a tough question, and it might require us to get out of our comfort zone and to build something on our own or to find another place that will help us to do that. And that I think everyone has to answer for themselves. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. I think this has been one of the most difficult times we've had navigating our way through it. Um, because this is such a this is hard. Mostly Lauren. Um and and Lauren You're welcome. Um, <laughs> this was this one's hard and yeah. it's a good one. Like I really value this episode. So Lauren, thank you for asking the questions and being on your journey and not just being on your journey, but sharing Absolutely. your journey. Um your blog is one of my favorites to read. Um and by one of my favorites to read, I mean it's the only one that I read. Um so <laughs> Um, there is one other, actually. There's one other, and it's a friend of mine that I grew up with. But other than that, yeah, Lauren Yours is the only one that I read. So um, I just want to uh, encourage you in your journey and know that we are praying for you um, in your journey as well. So, um, Lauren, just thank you so much for coming on. Anything you want to leave us with before I sign us out? Oh, this has been so much fun. And I'm glad to have people that um, are willing to discuss this, even though we didn't really come up with any solid answers. Um, but just knowing that the, the conversation is being extended. Um, I know that these questions are being asked by a lot of people. And so to be able to give me the platform to kind of talk about it and, and be real is a great honor and getting to hang out with you guys again. Um, it's been a, been a little bit, um, but it's definitely been fun. You are welcome on whenever you want. Um, I always let my guests pick the topic. So anytime that you have something you want to get on a soapbox about, you just let me know. Um, we will be your, we will be your soapbox. Um, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Absurdity. You can find us on any of your podcatching apps, uh, anything that you like. Uh, and if you want to check the show notes, the episode description, you can find Lauren's blog. You can find Tony and my contact information if you want to Give us any sort of feedback, uh, whether positive or negative. Remember, as is tradition here, negative goes to Tony, positive goes to me, So, and positive also goes on iTunes. Those are the three places that positive goes. And if you want to donate and help this podcast financially, you can go to patreon.com slash absurditypodcast. I have an awesome announcement coming soon regarding uh, some new Patreon benefits, so um, just stay tuned for that. But thank you always for, thank you as always for listening to this podcast. It wouldn't 
be the same without each and every one of you. Uh, We love you and we will see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.